T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Hour number two, John Dickinson and Larry Kruger with you until six here as we get you up to Warriors Live. Warriors and the Portland Trailblazers tonight from Chase Center. Dubs game four of the eight-game homestand, and the Warriors looking to be 4-0. and They have not had a winning streak of beyond three at any point this season. Back at 500, 18-18. Uh, been talking a lot about just reflections of 2022, some of the great sports moments uh, all over. Over in the Bay Area and nationally, worldwide, really here. Also, uh, just keeping everybody caught up on the latest as far as the 49ers and the Raiders in Vegas on Sunday. Debo Samuel not going to play in that one per Kyle Shanahan. Chancey plays in Week 18 when the 49ers host the Cardinals. Kerry Hyder and Ambry Thomas questionable. Niners also going to open the practice window for Elijah Mitchell. And Farhan Zaidi uh, met with the media. Uh, looks like a, a small group, potentially a conference call uh, with the beat writers that, that cover the Giants on a regular basis. And uh, among other things, Zaidi telling reporters, including Susan Slusser of the Chronicle, that they had some conversations with Scott Boris about Carlos Correa since the original Correa deal fell through. But Correa is, quote, focused elsewhere. The other just quick blurb from Susan uh, off of what Farhan Zaidi had to say, and and we knew this was obviously coming, uh, that the organization and the situation with Correa frustrating to everyone because they can't speak about it due to medical issues and the fact that he's he's still currently a free agent. Uh, all teams can review the, the medical records and all of that, but again, not a lot that he can say specifically about what they saw that bothered them and, and all of that. You know, the, that's great, and I, I agree with that. He's, there's nothing you can say. It's, you know, confidentiality. Mm-hmm. But the big question that had to be asked and hopefully was, was why did you call a press conference? What's the, what? What answer does Farhan have for that? Why did you call a press conference for a player who wasn't signed to a contract? Uh, that put the cart before the horse. Without the press conference, Farhan, you have no issue. You just didn't get the player that you sought. But since you called the press conference, everybody kind of you know sees you, you you know he sees that you kind of bungled it because you don't call a press conference until you have a guy on the guy's name on the dotted line or if you do you take the chance of what happened 
happens to you. And it did. And now you look bad. And now you don't have anywhere to pivot. That's the, the real disappointing part is what do the Giants do now? Because I saw something in, uh, that said they were about, like, you know, Vegas estimates are like 76 wins with like a 13% chance of making the playoffs. And you're coming off a down year. The prospects aren't quite ready. It's like, you know, what do you do? Um, do you make a trade? Well, you got to have something that other people want to make a trade. So I, it's going to to me, it's going to be really interesting. Who's at first? Who's in center? Who's at short? Um, you know, who's in the rotation? You lost Carlos Rodon. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. There's, there's an awful lot. If they are done, man, it's going to be a long year. And if they're not done, then we'll just have to wait and see. But those are major holes. Is Belt coming back? Is he going to play first? Who's playing center field every day? Yeah, at this point, I mean, it, it sounds like Yaz, right? And they're going to put Conforto on the corner with Hanniger. But what happened to the plan of the you know what you what he verbalized was, hey, we want to get younger and more athletic in the middle of the diamond. Mm-hmm. You haven't gotten younger or more yeah. athletic in the middle of it's the diamond. Actually, the exact same. It's Crawford and Estrada. It's Joey Bart. And it would be, yeah, Yaz, some combination of Yaz and Slater, again, with Hanniger. And sounds like Lamont Wade Jr. is going to be playing some first base with J.D. Davis. Uh, kind of a, a platoon there where you know Wade plays against the righties and J.D. Davis was a lefty masher, so maybe he gets out there against the lefties. I don't know about that either. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Wade hit, didn't Wade hit 179 or something like that? It was a an injury-plagued fall back to earth. <laughs> so, fall back to earth for yeah. Lamont Wade. And, and late, then look, late night Lamont. Look what they paid, too. I mean, they, they paid... Tw- um, Big dollars for Taylor Rogers. He, I don't know. If that's yeah, worth it. Last big, year, pretty big money for guys like Stripling and Manaya. They're not Carlos Rodon. So you've kind of taken a step back in the rotation, right? I mean, would you, wouldn't we? Can we all agree that going from Rodon to Manaya and oh yeah, Manaya is a, a back end rotation guy. Yeah, and He's Stripling a was a swingman, right? So it's go, a four five and a five six, right. basically. And you and you gave away a one, or you lost a one in Rodon. So are you better in the rotation? Like maybe if Kyle Harrison steps up. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. There's a, the Giants um, have more to do. They definitely do, and, and the timing of everything with missing out on Judge and then focusing the attention on Correa and, and everything that went with that, it left them when the Correa deal fell apart really with nobody left in the top 15 free agents to try and attract. I think Conforto was was an interesting pivot, but again, he's a, a lefty hitter as opposed to a righty hitter. It seemed like they were really looking to, to beef up as far as having right-handed hitting. I think that's part of why they obviously went and got Hanniger. And then there's also something to... Also something to, I think, just the fact that, you know, a couple of beat writers get their get their shot at Farhan today on December the 30th, late in the afternoon when everybody's basically in holiday weekend mode. I mean, it, yeah. And, like and that's, I, that's, that's along the lines of calling a press conference before you have a player signed, to be honest. I mean, that, that, I don't think that's fooling anybody, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see what they do. I, I you know, I hope they, uh, they figure something out. Maybe the, maybe the pivot point is you go to speed because most of the power guys are gone, but, you know, um, maybe you could make, you know, I saw a name like Jorge Mateo, who he was an A's prospect. Maybe they could go get a guy like that. He's, he stole 35 bags. Maybe you could add some speed. Um, but they gotta, they gotta add something because they're right now, I would say, I can't even really confidently say they're third in the division after the Diamondbacks. You know, if you look at the Diamondbacks, I would say the Giants are probably between Arizona and Colorado if you're objective on on where they sit. 
888-957-9570. Mike Sando going to join us, talk some NFL at 3.30. Festus Azili at 4.30. But let's get back to the phone. Sophomore in Pacifica gets us tipped off here at hour number two at 95.7 the game. What's up, sophomore? All right. Thank you for the shout-out before. And uh, my my reflection is about Kaminga. I didn't know if he would take off this year because his teenage years were so choppy you know coming here from overseas i think he played for a different high school team every year which probably meant moving around so i'm so glad to see him taken off uh just a comment to the question the comment is like nba players don't don't be the first one to get in a serious fight with coming <laughs> you know he kind of was a Clarkson square kind of wanted to fight him, and that's just stupid. Do not do that. Stay stay back. Let the let him have a little space. And the uh, the question is, what's a good comparable for him to look at his development? It's not anyone on the current Warriors. You know, who can we? Uh, he'll, he'll go up and down. Of course, he's young and, and still rough around the edges for sure. Uh, who who should we look at for his next three four years of? of growth and what's his feeling like yeah he's, he's a, a good one. he's a unique player he really is i know some have said on the on the extreme high end oh it reminds him of Kawhi, reminds him of Giannis, you know that kind of thing i mean i, I he's good got luck a, with he's that one got a crazy spin move that almost seems unstoppable he covers a ton of ground on his spin move i don't know i mean he he reminds reminds me a little bit i guess of a gerald wallace remember gerald wallace who's you know oh, as yeah. far as yeah, yeah. six eight yeah, um, he was a late he was in the Kings' heyday. He was a, a late first round pick. Yeah, I mean, really athletic. He can run run for days, and uh, but I think he's even better than Gerald Wallace. To be honest, I think Gerald Wallace uh, didn't have the kind of potential that Jonathan does. Jonathan's twenty. He's twenty years old. I mean, what is that? High school or college sophomore? So, I mean, yeah. you know, two years from now, I think we're gonna have a much better idea of exactly what kind of upside he has. I'll tell you this: When I see his the ball come off his hands on the three point shot, at times when it goes, it looks good. I mean, he's you know, so maybe it just needs more reps. The shot always is the last thing to come because as a pro, you get more reps. But I think he's, I think he could be a lockdown defender. He kind of reminds me on the defensive end when he's playing so hard of Ron Harper. Okay. Yeah, I mean that. That yeah, I think the the Harper. I mean Pippen's an extreme because he's an all time great, uh, a legend. But there is, I think I can see a little bit of Pippen defensively as far as just the way that they've tried to use him. I I, I shouldn't get ahead of my skis on on saying the guy. I mean Scotty Pippen's an all time great defender. Couple on the text line here, Amari Stoudemire. Eh, no, I don't think Amari Stoudemire was more of a. Big he was man. more of a power. Yeah, power 6'10". post big man. I I like Better the Gerald, offensive player too. I like the Gerald Wallace comp. I think that's a pretty good one. Uh, and Wallace was a... I had to look it up. I thought he was an all-star a couple of times. He was an all-star once. 2009-10 with Charlotte. Sacramento had him and really couldn't play him a lot. And they, they lost him in the, of all things, the expansion draft back when the... He the played for Bobcats a bunch of teams, right? Didn't he, he did. Charlotte. Uh, he ended up in Portland. He was with uh, the Nets at one point, And I think Boston as well. Jerome Kersey? If you want to go a little old school on the Blazers, you he mentioned was more the Blazers. Of a, he was more of a jump shooter from the perimeter, though. He yeah. did a lot of na- he was na- nasty. Kersey was his nickname, I think. So he did a lot of the dirty work, but he was a 
I think offensively, he he could drive a little bit, but I always remember him. I don't think Steve Kerr wants some shooting jumpers out at the top of the key like like Jerome Kersey did, but I think defensively there's some similarities. Yeah, I I, I love Kuminga. I loved when they when they got him. I was hoping like crazy they would get him in the draft. Um, some uh, mock drafts that year early in the process had him going number one. So yeah. for them to get him, what, what, what was he at four? He was uh, Kaminga was seven, seven. seven? Yeah, yeah Kaminga was seven, and you're that, right. He that's was a free fall. He was considered to be top three, top five throughout the bulk of the the pre-draft process and and the lead up, and then things shifted around a little bit, and it was oh, if he's going to fall to seven, I mean, it it made a lot of sense for the Warriors, even with him being a little bit more of a project to be able to to go with him, uh, Maglo. Maglo in San Bruno next here. What's up, Maglo? Hey, Larry. It's, it's Lago. Oh, uh, what's going cats. on, Lago? What's going on? Go Cats. Class of 75. There you go. Go it's Cats. A- Class 88. There you go. Uh, the whole thing with Kaminga is they're wanting him to do things he's never had to do before. Give him some time. He's never had a guard anybody in the NBA before. Oh, he was probably just basically a good shooter. Did you see? Uh, did you see? Did you hear Kerr with JD and Allen yesterday at all? No. So he was talking about Kuminga, and he basically just said Jonathan's totally gets it now that that his his you know his avenue to minutes comes on the defensive end. So he's totally bought in, um, and I just think that. It's so fun to watch him on the defensive end because you know it's no fun going against a guy like that. He's quicker than you. He's stronger than you. He's longer than you. And and when he's really tenacious like that, it's like good luck, good luck. So I love I love what I've seen from Kuminga and Wiseman really in the last couple of weeks. Same. Just got to give him some time. Yep. Give him some time. Yeah. No th- all right. Happy New Year, Lord. All you right. Too. Happy New Year. Thanks for the call. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. A couple people saying Jalen Brown. I don't see the handle. Like that's the one thing Kaminga's got to work on his handle uh, offensively for sure. Jay Rich was much more of a three-point shooter, athletic, but much more of a three-point shooter. Kaminga doesn't have Kaminga offensively doesn't have the three-point shot consistently yet. Warriors obviously hoping he can get it, and and his handle is not there. Like he's he he's a four right he's now. He's somebody. He's a, five, yeah, he's a four. He's a four, four five exactly. Right he's now. not a three four at no. this point. He's more of a four five or, or a true four. I think. But he he does, I think, when he gets in trouble, and we'll hear that Kirk clip here in just a second that you alluded to from yesterday, when he gets in trouble is, I think you can see in his mind at times offensively, he thinks he's a he's a three. Like, he thinks he can put it on the deck and go by somebody and, and score. And sometimes he's had some success, but the matchup's got to be right, and he's really got to be sure of the, of the move that he's making because the handle isn't great. And any kind of ball pressure, he leaves that thing exposed, and it can easily get knocked away, or, or he just loses it on the, on the gap or on the way up, and it it can turn into a, a, a turnover. But here, here's what uh, the head coach of the Warriors, Steve Kerr, had to say yesterday here on, on 95.7, the game about Kaminga. Number one, he's been he's been really good defensively. We've uh, we've challenged him with that, and uh, he's worked hard at it. And then I think honestly, what happened was he he realized that's that's his ticket to, to playing time. Like all young players, he he wants to score. He wants to you know become. Uh, you know, a high-scoring wing, and, and he's got that potential. But it's not what we need from him right now, and it's not something that, you know, we're, we're really looking to, for him to do because, uh, you know, we've got, a, we've got a, a, an established team, a championship team, 
We know how we want to play. So if uh, J.K. wants to get on the floor, it's got to be at the defensive end. And, and um, he's doing a, a really good job of recognizing that and, and following suit. So there you go. Yeah, and, 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 and when you watch him, and the level of intensity that he's bringing it on right. the defensive and end. That's, that's the it's noticeable difference. He got difference. that message. Yeah, that's the noticeable difference. Because yeah. there's times where it's looked like he's he's just not not bringing it, I, I think, when he's gotten in trouble and had to be pulled from the rotation. Like, to me, it's been he, he's been in the rotation, out of the rotation, in the rotation, out of the rotation, really three, four, five times up until the last couple of weeks. And every time he's gotten taken out, everybody kind of wonders, well, why is he not playing more? And it typically has been he's just not playing forcefully. He doesn't get the ball, and he was, he was in many ways, the opposite of the player he's been these last couple of weeks where it's been, hey, go, go take that guy and lock him down. He just can't have those games like he had in Philly where he plays 25 minutes and gets zero boards. Yeah. D people up. Go to the glass. That would be that would be my message. You know, interesting people, interesting uh, comps here on the text line. We got four one five says Antonio McDice, the former Alabama power forward who played in the league for years. What do you think of this one, Dominique? No, Dominique. Not Dominique a, was a scorer. He was a scorer, man. But as far as six eight. With that kind of athleticism, I mean, because what we're talking about athleticism, I think he's got even more length coming than than, than, than Dominique. Dominique. I think Dominique was more of a, he was just, I mean, Dominique man, was, he was incredible. incredible, but he would, he, he didn't would, have great handle coming into the league. No, but he got it as yeah. the as his career went on. I just remember him, you know, between the legs, between the legs, you know, hitting jumpers, driving on people. Like he was just he he ended up. He ended up being a, a real forceful player. That's a, that the human highlight film. If he could be a, a player like that with the ball in his hands, I mean, look out. Four one five says the Matrix. How about Sean Marion? That's interesting. That's an interesting one. Very strong player. Yeah. Marion had the strength of a front court player. Yeah, sturdy, definitely. And I mean, loved I him at Vegas. And Marion, Marion had that little, the little floater, that little push, that little push floater. He ran the floor extremely well. Yeah, with I mean, Phoenix. For, for dunks. I mean, guys, would whether it was Jason Kidd or, or Steve Nash later on, I mean, they would, there'd be a lot of runouts where he'd be ahead of the pack and, and be able to dunk. So that, that's an interesting one, but I think it, it just tells, as we've run through a bunch of different names here, and there really is no perfect fit. I mean, at that that is I, I think it 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 definitely shows you how unique Kaminga is, but how unique the talent is, and how how just kind of tantalizing it is for the Warriors to to want to have him be somebody you'd hang on to. All right, some of these are not good. Kaminga's baby Olajuwon. No, er, Eric, I love you, brother. No, no, I'll give you one, and I know you saw this guy because you were up in sack. Anthony Bonner. <laughs> What do you think? I mean, Anthony Bonner, 6'8", athletic. Not as athletic as Kaminga. He's better than Anthony. I mean, Anthony, yeah, he's better than Anthony He's Bonner. better than Anthony He's Bonner. Anthony Bonner. Anthony Bonner's second-round pick. And Anthony, but Anthony Bonner was a, I mean, he was a dump truck, man, with his with his backside. Like, he would he would put it into you and, and go up and dunk on you and throw you out of the way. And not a surprise that he wound up on some of those mid-'90s Knicks teams. <laughs> as a as as a bench player, he fit right in there. Uh, let's go to Rick in San Mateo next year with JD and Larry on a Friday. What's going on, Rick? Hey guys, love your show. Great uh, macro view analysis of the Forty Nine ers quarterback situation. I love that. It sounds all positive to me, but the reason I called was in the last few games that I've watched Purdy play. You know, scouts see subtle things, and one of the things I've noticed is the quality of his throwing. Uh, the quality of the throw itself. He's hitting the guys across the center, across the line, down deep, and he's hitting them on the run. 
He's not, um, and, and I love Garoppolo, but oftentimes we've lost yardage as well as potential scores because Garoppolo's ball is behind, high. They can't have any, uh, you know, yardage after the catch. Garopp, uh, Purdy just seems to be smooth in the backfield. Even though he's only six foot or so, what he does is he's, he positions himself around his line so he can see downfield. And he seems to have the, uh, what I call it, Ernest Hemingway called it grace under pressure. He came in there on that first game, and I swear to God, I thought he played in the NFL for a long time. He was smooth. He read his receivers. He did the right things. The only uh, glitch was that bump, you know, the uh, interception the other day, which was a fluke interception. I think the guy's got great talent, and I think the scouts saw that. And my thought is, between Garoppolo and uh, Purdy and and Trey, I, I necessarily wouldn't give up Garoppolo. That's my thought. I mean, he did get us to the Super Bowl. He did get us to a final. He screwed up the foot action between uh, between Purdy and Garoppolo is the other thing I wanted to mention. It just seems like uh, Purdy knows what he's doing and as I say, his movement and his foot movement, that's what scouts see, I think. So my thought is, uh, you know, I've got total confidence in Purdy going forward. His throwing is excellent, and he seems to read his receivers in time and in the right proper, you know, order that, that Shanahan wants him to read them. So anyway, I just thought I'd pass that on. And, and it's great to see smooth throws hitting guys, you know, on the run. Yeah, that's in stride. Pretty no, there's no question. I, yeah. Thanks, you, Rick. You make a g- bunch of good points. I mean, two things come to mind. One, it's not Garoppolo's choice, or it's not the Niners' choice. Yeah. You're, you're getting greedy would, if you want to keep Garoppolo. Well, and, I, and I think the 49ers, will, they, they, they agree with the caller. Um, You'd love to do it. But you can't. You know, you can't hoard quarterbacks. Yeah. He's And, and the, my next question for the caller would be like, well, is your evaluation that Purdy's better than Jimmy? And if the answer is yes, and I think the Niners' answer is yes, then then Jimmy's moving on. I mean, I don't think even Jimmy wanted to come back here unless he thought he had a good shot of getting on the field this year, you know, with Trey, buying Trey Lance. So I, he's not coming back here next year if they're both here. Um, so I, Jimmy's moving on. I, I don't think there's anything doubt about that. But he made a great point also on run after the catch. Run after the catch is partly about the player, right? But it's a lot about the quarterback's accuracy. You know, if you yeah. throw you get a juice in the in the flat and you throw it at his shoelaces, he might still make that catch, but the linebacker is going to rally up, hit him right there and he's going to get a 5-yard gain. If you can hit him in stride as he turns his shoulder upfield, that little dump off in the flat could be a 40-yard gain. So it, oh, accuracy means so much to yeah. run after the catch. Accuracy and timing. And the timing yeah. has been on yep. as well with, yeah. with Purdy. Uh, Vince in San Jose, 888-957-9570. What's going on today, Vince? Hey, happy Friday, gentlemen. You too. Um, thank you so much. I will tell you guys this. I'm going to turn 28 in January. I'm going to turn 28 in January. I've been following the NBA for 20 years, and I can confidently say this. I think Kaminga is going to be the gem of that draft class. I think he's just going to be, he, he's going to turn out to just be an absolute steal for this Warriors team for a couple reasons. One, he's a true slasher. He can pretty, I mean, if a 20-year-old can get to the rim at an NBA level pretty much at will, that means something. That's significant. All the Kaminga haters can say, hey, 
you know, I want to trade Kaminga for, for Seth Curry and another guy and this other age veteran. But you got to use logic, and you have to use perspective. Kaminga, he doesn't even have a ceiling. I mean, he, he can get to the rim at will, and he's learning how to pass the ball at a professional level. I want him to work on his off-hand dribbling. I want him to work on his off-ball movement. Um, but I just love Kaminga. Uh, I, I, I really do. Thanks, Thanks Vince. Yeah, Appreciate it. There, I mean, there's a lot to like. And, and I think, yeah, that, that the ball handling is a big part of it. I've harped on the ball handling. He does still have an ability to get downhill and, and get to the basket, even without a great handle, which uh, on some nights it doesn't always work out, but he can get to the free throw line. And the one thing offensively, though, that, that really has changed, you know, we've talked a lot about the defense. We played the Steve Kirk clip, but, but offensively he has been much more of a willing passer, whether it's been looking for Wiseman or whether it's just been getting the ball on the perimeter, where in the past he would look to face up and try to do something or try to take a three and now he's just he's getting it and he's getting in a position where he can hand it off to somebody or pass it to somebody and cut and keep the Warriors moving at, at optimum and, and often that winds up in the Warriors system as you're going to get it back in a much better position to score or do something with it than that first opportunity when you get it 24, 25 feet from the basket. As far as the best player in that draft, I'll push back on that. I mean, I'll take Cade Cunningham. I'll take Evan Mobley. I'd probably take Scotty Barnes. A lot of good ones. Um, they passed. They, you know, those are guys that went in front of Jonathan. Guys who went after Jonathan, Franz Wagner. Really good player. Would you rather have he'd Wagner? He'd help him right now. I mean, I mean, he'd be in the rotation right now. I love Davion Mitchell, but he's six feet point guard. You know, I mean, that's uh, Zaire Williams, uh, who played at Stanford. Nice little player, for sure. Uh, Duarte, I really like, from the Pacers. So, I mean, you know, and then, then you're tur- the guy that I was, that I think they missed on that in that draft and I really would think he I loved him in the draft is Trey Murphy the third who's a six nine you know sharpshooter who can play the two guard spot and he fell down to 17 in that draft they could have used uh, the Moody pick on Trey Murphy I like move Murphy more than Moody but you know I, I I agree that was a, it was a nice pick getting Kuminga at seven yeah and they love Davion Mitchell but obviously not at seven with others on the board they liked Franz Wagner from what I understand Sire Williams I think is a, is a nice player uh, w- with Memphis uh, as well and and they love Duarte if Duarte had been around the Pacers hadn't taken him right in front of Moody I think Duarte would be a member of the Warriors you, right you saw the video right yeah when Duarte went Joe you know they had Joe in the, was in like, the he was like pissed it was I mean, like he was he was yeah, he was not happy at it all was the old, it makes me wonder too if I think they had him pegged. If, that was, if, if Indiana came knocking on your door and said, We'll give you Duarte for Moses Moody, would you do that trade now? Yeah. Moody's sure. five years younger, but Duarte's probably ready to play right yeah. now a and, bit more. And he's been banged up too with, with injuries, which you have to keep in the fold there. But yeah, I probably would. All right, Mike Sando's gonna join us next. We'll talk some NFL with him as we are sponsored by Calhope.org. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. All right, welcome back. John Dickinson and Larry Kruger. More phone calls coming up. Festus Azili, an hour from now. But let's get to uh, our first guest on the program today. It's a pleasure to be joined by Mike Sando, uh, now of The Athletic, as he's uh, covered the NFL for a long time as well. And uh, we really appreciate you taking some time here on a Friday, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, let's just start with uh, Derek Carr. And I know you wrote about the quarterback betrayal index, which I think is fascinating stuff. But uh, explain to the listeners what that is and, and now how Derek Carr kind of fits into the equation uh, with his benching and uh, and basic firing by the Raiders. Yeah, basically since Derek Carr's been there, they've been pretty average on offense, and they've been really, really bad on defense and special teams. So uh, a quarterback you know, who has a great defense and special teams on his side is going to look better and going to win more and going to have a different narrative about him. So for all of Carr's flaws, which he does have some, uh, of the 92 quarterbacks who have started at least, I think, more than 20 games in the last 20 years or so, his defense and special team support has ranked 85th out of the 92. Uh, at the extreme other end would be like Mac Jones. You know, the, the, the Patriots have been really good on defense and special teams despite a couple of uh, memorable plays lately uh, going against them. So it really has skewed their ability to win um, with Derek Carr because he's just been at such a disadvantage. And if you look back at his time with the Raiders, I think the one year they were kind of middle of the pack or a little above average in that defense special teams realm. I think they went 12-4 and four with Jack Del Rio. So uh, I think it's just something to keep in mind. It doesn't mean that Carr is totally absolved from you know where they're at, but certainly they haven't been good enough in that area again this year um, to win. Mike, if, uh, if the Eagles get one win here in the final two weeks, either against the Saints or Giants, the road uh, to the Super Bowl and the NFC rolls through Philadelphia, Everybody in the NFL is so covert when it comes to these injuries. I just I get the sense that Jalen Hurts, based on the uh, the video that I saw of Travis Gibson of the Bears falling on his right shoulder, that that they're probably not necessarily giving us the full rundown on Hurts. He, you know, they've been speculating that he could play, but I, I just I, I, something tells me he's hurt worse than he is. Do you have any intel around the league? Do you have any guess as to the severity of Hurts' injury and how likely it is that he could be out, be out extended? Period get, of time? I think they got to be careful. I think they do have to be careful. They're in a weird spot because you know with the season being longer, 
uh, they're probably going to be okay to win. Uh, you know, I think they can beat the, the Saints, um, whether he plays or not. But um, the last thing I need is is him taking another shot on the shoulder and then being affected for the for the postseason. So I know he's back at practice. I think I'll just kind of believe it when I see it when he's out there. I think so much of his play and production has been uh, as a runner also. And he's not a run and slide. He's a run and take some hits guy. So I think they got to be careful. It might be a little bit foolish to, uh, to to throw him out there and at least have the same sort of game plan that they've had unless he's really ready to go. Mike, uh, what do you think of the teams fighting for the final couple of spots in, in the NFC? And, and, and we can relate it to the, the 49ers. We don't know if they're going to be two or three in the top half. Minnesota controls that, but they're playing Green Bay, who's tied to the, the bottom half, and the Giants in Washington are involved. The Lions want a shot, maybe yeah. at a winner-take-all against Green Bay next week. How do you how do you see that, that bottom end shaken out in yeah. the NFC? I kind of think Detroit or Seattle might grab the seventh spot. Uh, I think the Giants will get the sixth, and I think Carolina is probably going to win that division uh, in the NFC South to get the four seed. Now, there's so much of the stuff is interconnected. I just sort of have a feeling I could be wrong on this that Minnesota may go into Green Bay and win. I think I don't think Green Bay is that great, and I'm not saying Minnesota is either. But just the idea that. Like Rogers was saying, Aaron Rogers was saying after the game against Miami, hey, we got them, you know, two dome teams coming in. They got to, to land, but they got to win the games, though, you know, and so I think that's a, obviously a huge pivot point game uh, in this whole thing. And I, I've kind of been leaning towards Minnesota. Maybe it's a gut feel, maybe I'm wrong, but um, if that falls that way, then um, it really could set up a situation where if Green Bay's not in the mix the last week well shoot then Detroit maybe has an easier time beating them you know in the last one and then we'll see I think for the last spot you know Seattle Jet game is going to be really a 50-50 could go either way it's in Seattle um, and so I may lean towards the Seahawks but shoot they haven't been able to put anything together consistently either I think that's the thing there's just so many inconsistent teams there you it's a guessing game of who's going to win every week you know, the Chiefs trounced the Niners a few weeks back, um, and the Niners haven't lost since. Um, and in four games since week 13, the 49ers are averaging over 31 points a game. They've broken that 30-point plateau in three of the four games. Um, I mean, they got the number one defense, and they're scoring points offensively. Uh, do you have a different feeling about the 49ers now that you see their offense with Brock Purdy uh, than you did maybe earlier in the year with Lance or with Jimmy? Uh, no, I think that they're just as capable with Purdy. You know, I, I, I look. I would rather have Jimmy. You know, just because of the familiarity and he's proven and all of that. But I, I don't think he, there's been a huge a drop off in what they want to do. Now, they have played historically great defense, and a lot of those points on offense come from your defense, right? You're you're getting in shorter fields, or you're you're never playing from behind. You're always sort of in control. I don't think that Brock Purdy has attempted a pass while trailing in any of his starts. So, you know, that's partly because of him, but they have been amazing defensively, really starting with the Charger game, uh, to where they've been dominant. If you just look at statistically dominant, like uh, standard deviations better than a normal defense. And the offense has been good, but not great, other than I would say maybe the, the Arizona game uh, and, and, and maybe before that the, the Ram game. But for the most part, the offense has been good. It's done its part with a really favorable situation because of the defense. So I like where they're at. I think the NFC is, you know, there's no team that 
is completely unflawed. I think Philly's been the best team, but I don't think the 49ers are afraid of them. I think they can beat them. Mike Sando joining us here on 95.7 The Game. Is is that the one thing that would give you pause about Purdy in a playoff scenario is the fact that he may very well go through the entire regular season stint, whatever, the, the six games that he would play without really dealing with much adversity? A little bit. You know, I think it's going to come at some point, but I think all of the teams have to deal with that. There's not a, you know, I mean, look, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers could both make the playoffs, but I, I you don't get the feeling with how their teams are playing that, you know, they're going to be uh, amazing in that realm either. So I think the NFC is one where you may not have to have that as much to get through. And we've seen the 49ers go through the playoffs without having a bunch of games where they trailed until they got maybe to the Super Bowl. So I like the way it sets up. Sure, if they're behind, it's going to be hard, but it's hard for all these guys. It's going to be hard for Jalen Hurts if they're behind, too. Um, so I don't think that makes the 49ers especially vulnerable, right? Uh, other than we're just not really sure because we haven't seen it with Purdy, but he's looked pretty good what they've asked him to do so far. You know, late October, the the Niners were, what, three, I think uh, three and four at that point. Um, and they had the Rams coming up. And John Lynch pulled the trigger on the Christian McCaffrey deal. And they went to L.A. And McCaffrey had one of the best games of his career. And the Niners went 31-14. And then they have not lost since. To me, I thought that was incredible GMing, if that's a word, uh, by uh, by Lynch. And I think that because of the timing and because of the offseason he had, I would give Lynch the slight edge over Howie Roseman for executive of the year. How do you see the voting coming down on that award? Ah, that's interesting. You know, I think it, for some it could come down to the perception of how much is Kyle Shanahan running the personnel there too, right? I think he's uh, gets some credit for that, but I think that's a good point. I think you know making that type of a move uh, at at the middle of a season is a win in the sales for your team. You know, I think it sends a really strong message beyond what it does to help you on the field. That's a big boost, you know, to a team that's had. You know, some reasons to get down this year with Jimmy getting hurt. Uh, you know, there's been some other players in it. Debo Samuel's been out. You know, there's been some things that could have set the team back. But when you do that, I think it really does uh, give you a boost. So, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to get it. Maybe by the end of the year, they're the team that's hottest, and it helps put him over the top. To me, it does just come down to how much you perceive Kyle Shanahan to maybe to be involved in that, too, whereas with Philly, I don't think people perceive Nick Sirianni to be as involved in that. Mike, I really appreciate your your view of quarterbacks and, and all the work and different breakdowns you do of, of a lot of the numbers at different points. I, I got to go back to, to Brock Purdy and just, you know, yeah. as it relates to Trey Lance, because we, we don't know the run that the Niners will go on, how this thing ends, but as, as far as you look at it, uh, what is is Purdy the starter next year? Is it is it a open competition? I mean, that's that's kind of the question du jour out here in in the Bay. And and what does Purdy have to do in the playoffs to solidify that? If it's you know a, a coin flip to, in your mind to this point, yeah. I think if if Purdy continues to play the way that he has and and they win and have some success, you know, maybe advance in the playoffs. I don't know how you take him out of the equation and just hand it to someone who has a couple of starts, right? So uh, it'll be delicate. I think these are, you know, the way that quarterback changes are handled now is different than it used to be. If you go back in the day, Bill Walsh would just freaking bench Joe Montana and say Steve's playing this week, right? And tough. Now, Derek Carr gets benched and he's not even with the team, right? So the way all of these things are handled now, 
will make it interesting to me. Uh, do they are they delicate about it? Are they vague about it? It was so weird last year with Jimmy Garoppolo being on a different field and separating it out. You know that was he handled it beautifully, but not everybody would have. So I, I don't know, but I think we have to see how this season finishes. If they go to the NFC Championship game with Brock Purdy or the Super Bowl, that's a totally different thing than if they fizzle down the stretch and lose one of these last two and go one and done, isn't it? I would say, I would say, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the key, the key variable there. So I don't know how you take Purdy out of the mix if they really go deep in the playoffs. Give me your answer to two of these things. Who's better in your mind between Buffalo and Kansas City? And is there a team outside of Philly that you believe could beat the Forty ers in the NFC playoffs? Because I don't. Yeah, um, I think Buffalo's probably the better team, just all the way around. Um, I have been reluctant to pick against Kansas City in the one big game type thing, uh, but I probably would give um, you know the Bills just a slight edge. I know losing, I think losing their uh, you know Von Miller was a big deal. I just give them a slight edge, uh, but I think it's real slight. I think those teams could beat each other. I don't really see a team the way they're playing now. Um, having a big advantage or any sort of an advantage against the 49ers in the NFC. Because I think Dak Prescott, he's made enough mistakes. I think that the 49er defense could probably get to him and uh, get a couple turnovers to help it go their way. But, yeah, that's why I think it's such a great opportunity. This is a year. This is what, this is a year in the NFC where you have to take advantage. And I think, like, Buffalo missed that opportunity in the AFC last year. They were the best team. 13 yep. seconds, they blew it. They may, not, they may not get back. Right? This is a great window here. Even though they're down to their third quarterback in San Francisco, it's a great, it's a great time. It's a great chance. Mike, great stuff. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. All right, Thanks, Mike. Mike. Mike Sando joining us here on, on 95.7 The Game. Good stuff, well thought out, always digging into the numbers and, and coming up with his own his own metrics and, and evaluations and comparisons. So uh, I, I like to nerd out reading his stuff. Oh, he's good. He's really, really good. He worked for ESPN for years and a uh, great guy to talk to. And he's dialed in on the rest of the league, which is always nice. You know, I mean, Mike's got a good handle on, on not just, you know, the Niners, but, you know, we could have literally gone deep with him on any team in pro football. Yeah. And he's got... He's He's got you know content that he can bring to the table. Um, I, I do you know I keep thinking about this Raider game. I'm thinking, what is the next step for the Raiders? The Carr era oh, is over. It's clear that they're going to try to trade him in their little window right at the end of the year. I don't know what they're going to get for him, but there's a lot of speculation. I was looking at the quarterback odds on who's going to be the Raiders quarterback next year. Number one, top of the list, Jimmy Tom Brady. Oh. Number two, at top of the list, Jimmy Garoppolo. Wow. Who do you think? I mean, I I can't picture Tom Brady uh, going to play for the Raiders. I, I could see Jimmy playing for the Raiders. Yeah, I could. Although, as we talked about a little bit earlier, I think there are going to be a lot of teams that that are going to come calling for for Garoppolo. I mean, Washington wanted him this past year. If he had been healthy, he might be a commander already. Colts. Yeah, the Colts are in that mix. I think Miami's in the mix. I think the Jets are in the mix. I think the Raiders certainly are in the mix. I mean, what what did you make of? just the way this thing has played out with Derek Carr. I mean, I think we can all look at his play this year and say, all right, it's time, and, and maybe it had been time, and this is the final straw. But but for it to get to the point where 
even not quite being mathematically eliminated, I get it, they're done, but even not quite being mathematically eliminated, benching him, and then the reporting from, from Vic Tafer that it was Mark Davis's call and that basically uh, Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were going to roll with Carr at least for one more week, but, but Mark Davis said deuces he's done and then him not even being around the team like I, I think it creates a a weird weird dynamic for the Raiders coming into this game with the Niners well I, I mean I don't I don't I don't love it but if, if if I don't love it if it was the players call if the players said hey I don't want to be here anymore I mean I, it doesn't make me feel better about the player I mean so Stidham can sit on the bench and watch you fail week after week but you can't sit on the bench and watch him fail I mean to me if you're going to be a leader in a room of men, it's like you better, you better be a little bit more consistent. And then there's the car, the player on the field. I mean, I'm thinking of that interception they threw to Kyle Duggar in the Patriots game. It was just right to him. He's inside the five yard line. He's hurling it right to a DB breaking on the ball. It's a bad year. He just had a really bad year. Not only that, I mean, I mean, if you watch that in slow mo. Duggar's clearly breaking on the football before the quarterback's anywhere close to releasing it. So I, I don't, I don't love. Carr has done a bunch of things that make me. I liked him coming out of Fresno State. Sure, I really did. I thought he was a good, good prospect. But he's done some things the last few years that would make me just put an X through him. Like, ah, not interested. Now I do know that he'll get a gig. Because I think there are a lot of people that will blame the Raiders and the dysfunction in that organization, all the upheaval and Gruden and, you know, you name all the different things that have happened there during his tenure. But, man, I, I, when, you, when, it's, when it's at the end of the game and you can take a chance down the field and you throw the ball into the turf, I mean, that is non-competitive. And I've seen him do that three times in the last three years. And if you do it once for me, that's done. You're done. I mean, I make a play and keep trying to make a play. Sure. Throwing yeah. the ball into the turf. Also, I, I get the feeling when I watch Carr that he is just like he's 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 about self-preservation. Like that factors in way before we, you know, he's not hell bent to score. He's he's hell bent to take care of himself. And so I, I, and I've seen countless examples of it. Um, I just think he gets rid of the ball. I don't think he holds it. I don't think he extends plays to let his receivers work open down the field. He's got the, the best receiver in all of pro football on his team. And that receiver's had kind of an under, you know, an under, you know, an underwhelming type statistical year. I blame Carr for that. I, I think it also sets up a week for the Raiders uh, relating it back to this game where, we're going to find out, I think, on Sunday if the rest of that Raider locker room liked or didn't like Derek Carr. Because I think if they liked Derek Carr and and thought, hey, this is on the, the ownership or the coaching staff or whatever, this is a bleep show, maybe he deserved a little more respect on his way out the door than, than he's receiving here, I could see them coming out and it being like Denver and the Rams where it's just, hey, night-night. Uh, you know, blowout city, one, two, three, Cancun, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to come up with. I, I could see that. Now, if maybe there are people in that locker room that are thinking, you know what, you know, Derek, not a perfect player, weird personality, like you said, maybe putting himself in front of other things, then I could see them coming out and maybe, maybe showing a little bit of fight with, with Jared Stidham and, and, and maybe they're a little more competitive in the game. I think the Niners are still the best 
team, clearly, between the two and, and should win the game and probably should win the game and cover it, even with the number at basically 9.5 to 10.5. Uh, but I, I just kind of wonder. I think it is going to tell a statement toward how the Raiders view Derek Carr in that locker room based on their, their competitive juice this week. He's got nine seasons in the NFL. He's got six of the nine seasons. He's had double-digit interceptions. So that means three of the, you know, only a, a third of basically your years, you know, 30% of your seasons in the NFL, you have single-digit interceptions. So that's a lot of picks. There's a lot of negative plays there. As far as how the Raiders play, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but you also got to remember this. You know, NFL players, there is, there's no guaranteed contracts. Everybody's a, you know, they, the film circulates throughout the entire league. If you're, even if you're at the end of your run with the Raiders, you're at the beginning of your run with another team. And I just think that guys play hard. Guys play hard and they play for themselves and they play for their families and they don't, they're, they're you know, they're going hard. They're going hard because it's in their best interest to go hard. And it's not about, you know, Derek versus Jarrett. I am eager to see what Stidham looks like, though, J.D., because he hasn't played a lot of football. The Niners have absolutely crushed immobile quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. Jarrett Stidham is as immobile as they come. I mean, he is not, oh, yeah. you know, there's no mobility at all. He's, he, you know, he was a fourth-round pick out of Auburn. He was with the Patriots. The Raiders traded for him. The Raider executives used to be in New England. Um, he started four of their preseason games. He completed 63%. He appeared in three games out of out of the bullpen, so to speak. Was eight of thirteen for seventy two yards in the twenty four nothing loss to the Saints. He's an he's an immobile guy going up against the NFL's best defensive line. I expect there to be Nick Bosa sacks. Quite Absolutely. a few. Maybe maybe Bosa gets a record. Maybe this is a five sack kind of a game for him. Yeah, puts him puts him north of twenty, and and yeah, maybe even right there at the at the record. Uh, Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Let's get a Filmo Mike in here before the top of the hour. What's going on, Filmo? Oh man, y'all talking Niners. I was gonna talk Warriors. Whatever, bring it. Any any direction you want to take it. It's uh, it's a dealer's choice, as they say. Okay, got you. So look, uh, Kruger. I feel like yep. Um. Uh, Kaminga. He's a. I, I think he's a. He's a new age natural. In three four years, he's a new age natural three. Now I understand the four, but I think he's a new age natural three that could play the four. And my comp to him. Yeah, who do you got? A mix of. Uh, hear me out. Terry Cummings, Anthony Mason. Wow, you're going. That's my now, comp to him. Great That's players, by the way. Cum- Cummings was an awesome player. <laughs> Hey, he was he, underrated. Uh, he was raw. <laughs> Terry Cummings was. A, he came here. He came here in the Spreewell trade. But uh, you know, I, both those guys are are thicker, wider guys. I mean, Terry Cummings was a tremendous player at DePaul, um, oh, yeah. and then and a great player in the NBA, and then was actually still had some game when he came to the Warriors in the Spreewell trade. Mason, that's an interesting one. Mason was just such a. Such a, I mean, Mason probably weighed about two fifty, right? I mean, yeah. Anthony Mason, he was a, he's a big, thick guy. Oh yeah, he I mean, was, he was a monster. Yeah, talked so about Anthony Bonner and different, the, different, different body type, different body type uh, than Kuminga. Kuminga's more willowy. Kuminga can get up and down the floor. 
uh, where Anthony Mason he was a post guy on yeah. offense or yeah it, it, or he was a he had a sneaky good handle actually for a for oh, he was a really good player he could he could get it out at the top a little bit throw a little spin move on kind of flip flip it up at the end he'd miss it and go back and get him he was nasty I mean he, he embodied tough. everything about those they went to the finals Knicks. with him yeah those Knicks teams with Patrick Ewing and 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 him and John Stark, seventy nine, eighty one, seventy nine games. Oakley, <laughs> yeah, all those, all those guys. Now those were some, those were some good teams. Derek Harper, yeah, you know, hand checking people. Uh, Terry, it's interesting. Terry Cummings, Terry Cummings was the leading scorer. Anytime his name comes up, he was the leading scorer at the first NBA game I ever went to as a kid. I was eight years old in Sacramento. He had 28 points and he beat you know, they, the he Bucks great. with the Bucks in 1989. Young he, Terry Cummings. Yeah. Monster. It was like three days after the Niners won the Super Bowl against uh, the Bengals. I'll never forget sitting there watching. That to me was the lawyer low point. Spreewell oh, chokes out Carlissimo. And I can remember sitting there next to Tim Roy, you know, before one of these games, and I'm like, "What happened? You know, what has happened here?" Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Chris Mills in a just an awful contract, and Terry Cummings at the end, and I mean that was, was that Mookie Blaylock there yet? Was uh, maybe <laughs> Jason Caffey was their big free agent signing? Oh. I mean, those were some, those were some lean. To me, that was the leanest moment because. Spreewell was still tied to that 55 warrior, fifty-five win Warrior team in 93. This was a few years later. Weber had moved on. Billy Owens had moved on. Mm-hmm. Spreewell choked out the coach. Now, it, I mean, they it was... It was dark. It, it was, was dark, dark days. No, it was big time dark days and, and brighter days uh, for the Warriors now and brighter days in 2022 for really everybody uh, in the Bay Area. Two hours down. We got two hours to go. Festus Azili is going to stop by at 430. So keep it locked here at 95.7 The Game for that. Uh, we'll come back. We'll reset some of the things you've been getting into today. Talking a lot of Niners, a lot of Warriors, and uh, just being a little reflective. Final show of 2022. We're presented by Fremont Bank. Full service banking no compromises. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.